0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
2: Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho? What is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of
3: that Barn Door halibut's head. 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well,
2: I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm gonna have to go with a, a European cut up. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah, love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. <laughs> Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly... Right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know,
3: Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm -hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell
2: people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish on Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here is your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hey, good evening, and welcome to Fish on Northwest. Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan. Back in studio, buddy. Hey, hey. 6 p.m. Thursday, we are live from the Fish on Northwest studios located here in Olympia, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. Got another great show lined up. We do lots of stuff happening, even Mm -hmm. though the weather doesn't seem to be all that conducive to be out and getting stuff done. There is, there is stuff to get done, right?
3: There is. And
2: there's places to go where you can get it done. There's places to go where you can get it done. Uh, some of that would not include here currently on the West side, but, uh, We'll get to that. First and foremost, I want to remind everybody, first of all, thanks for joining us this evening. If you've got uh, questions, comments, or whatever, go ahead and pop them on here. We'll try to get to as many of those as we can throughout the show as we're always watching. And uh, I want to remind folks, hey, jump over to our YouTube channel if you would. Give us a subscribe over there. Help us build our numbers on that platform. Really appreciate you taking the time to do so. And stop by our... Um, Our webpage, if you have not, check out our webpage, everything we have going on. Pretty much also lives there on the webpage at uh, www.fishhuntnw.com. The online store is there. Still have a lot of things in inventory we're getting rid of. Stuff going out the door daily, weekly, Mm -hmm. shipping out a lot of stuff as of late, which is great. Uh, New items on order, new graphics being designed, and plenty of stuff we're going to have on hand for the Sportsman Show. Let's keep our fingers crossed on that whole deal, huh? Yeah. Holy let's not cancel that uh, that in the boat show we're gonna have a very busy first of the year as we roll into january february i can see a lot of things happening so let's hope we can get there in that regard but uh, yeah please do us a favor jump over to www.fishhuntnw.com check out the web page if you would uh with that tommy Lots going around, uh, going on, around. First of all, our uh, heartfelt uh, shout out to all the folks affected by the floods. Last week, last Thursday, when we were sitting here, we were talking about how much rain was coming. We looked at some of the forecasts, looked at the potential for river gauges going off the charts. I had said, boy, that gadget looks to be dangerous. Going to yeah. go up to extremely high levels, almost record setting. Uh, ended up being the fifth highest on record. For the history wow. of recording the Skagit. So that's, that's mm-hmm. getting up there. It was, it, was, uh, it was on the up, you know, looking at uh, setting a new record. But, yeah, it fell within the top five. You know, the difference nowadays, they have that $30 million um, they invested up there at Mount Vernon in that, uh, in that uh, fabricated wall that they mm-hmm. can put in place, right? Pretty, uh, pretty interesting. You're an engineer, so you look at that feat of engineering and go, they have a wall they can construct with crews put in place ahead of the flooding, keeps, you know, it costs $30 million for that wall, but think about how many millions they saved. Right. Hundreds of millions of dollars, right?
3: And it's too bad not all of the government entities think that way. Right. You know, preventative maintenance. Yeah,
2: preventative maintenance. So they store that thing just if, in fact, they ever need to deploy it. Sure enough, they did this time. They got it in place. A couple feet of water came under the wall as uh, designed versus several feet of water blowing up so um, yeah you know uh, towns that were affected are still affected the water is receding very slowly and uh, people are people are struggling so I mean you know if you can help out in any way you can if there's monies to be donated to certain causes please try to find a way to do so uh, those folks are going to be struggling all the way on through the holidays so kind of sad to see what was happening that being said as the water drops you know the coho fisheries are, are going to be there the, the chum fisheries are uh are happening we got some got some good opportunity here they opened the south sound they opened up some of these access areas to chum let me tell you the people now that the rain had subsided up until today Mm -hmm. the uh the folks are showing up uh there is a ton of chum in the south sound and i gotta imagine as we get out on the coastal rivers um as they begin to drop you're gonna have some great opportunity on some chum fishing as well and of course november is synonymous with big coho Mm-hmm. And for the rivers that are hatchery retention only, kind of sucks. We do have some late hatchery runs that will come into, uh, come into play here. Um, but for a better part of it, a lot of these are some of the wild fish returns, bigger fish. So catch and release on those. But we are going to have some opportunity to keep some of these uh, late season, later season coho. And as the water drops, I think this coho forecast proved to be kind yeah. of on point.
3: Yeah, one of a kind. Phenomenal.
2: And a uh, tremendous yep. amount of coho that have been showing up for five months, depending on where, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's going to continue even after the water begins to drop here. So uh, we can look forward to some opportunity. It's all, not all doom and gloom. We didn't lose an entire season. We got some coho and chum to go after. Mm-hmm. Could be a good time. With that, uh, join us over at Mardon, Tommy. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I'm ready. I'm
3: excited. I've never, never done ducks or geese before. I just notched turkey here a, a few days <laughs> we're gonna, ago. We're going to get to that. We'll get to that. But, we'll yeah. to that. but no, sure I'm excited did. for this opportunity. So
2: December 22nd, we did it purposefully mm. on a Wednesday. In the event that the ducks may not be there, we still have a great opportunity on some on some mm-hmm. geese, right? Yeah. We can do a goose hunt. So join us over at Mardon. This is with uh, Ross Outdoor Adventure, Shelby Ross, good buddy of ours. You guys have heard of him, seen him on the show, seen us over there hunting with him. Um, we are... We are hunting ducks or geese. And this is an invite um, for anybody that wants to join us, make the drive over. going to show up there on Tuesday, um, check in. This includes lodging, dinner that evening, lunch the next day as we're out hunting, and a fully guided hunt, whether it's ducks or geese, 350 bucks.
3: Yeah, that's awesome.
2: That's a smoking yeah. deal.
3: Do you know how many spots we have left on that
2: hunt? Uh, I don't know. I was going to try to get a hold of Shelby today. Yeah. I failed in that. But, uh we will uh, make accommodations for you know as many as we can get over there. We can expand. Shelby can expand blinds. We could we cool. could you know split up the groups or what have you. So we're looking forward to a really good good opportunity there. December twenty second, arrive on the twenty first. Check into your lodging. Um, dinner's provided that evening. As I said, lunch and trust me when I say this, the duck kebabs either oh, uh, yeah, in the duck blind on the field the next day. To die for. Did you have jalapeno poppers out there one one time Mm -hmm. too? All of it. Yeah. Oh man. The duck, the goose, the the poppers, the whole deal. So it's all included. And three hundred and fifty bucks on a guided hunt. Take home some birds. Come hang out with like minded folks. Shoot guns. Enjoy the day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kill some birds. Gonna be a fantastic time. I got persons messaging me throughout the week, getting a hold of Shelby, call him up and uh uh, you know, book your spot. Um, we have uh, We have plenty of time to get that uh, still booked. Again, it's not till the 22nd. So once we get through Thanksgiving here and start working towards the front edge of December, we still got three weeks to get folks signed up. After that, so going to be a good time. Looking forward to getting a handful of folks over there with us. Okay, um, any questions? Hey, hit us up here on the messenger on our Facebook page or even you know YouTube. We check messages often. You can email us via the uh, website. Um, any and all of it, we answer it all. So if you got questions on it, go ahead and ask. We'll get you squared away. All right, Tommy. Thanksgiving is just around the corner. Uh, I think I mentioned that next Thursday we are out of studio because mm-hmm. we'll be enjoying the holiday with the family. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, the holiday decor—have you noticed? We I got, did see got that. some
3: extra. There's a fine piece of artwork. Yeah, right there.
2: Thanksgiving decorations here on the front of the desk, provided by our four-year-old granddaughter Harper Lynn. She made that at school the other day and said, Papa, you need to put this on your desk for the show. <laughs> for the so show. I said, okay, so there you go, Thanksgiving decorations provided by Harper. And, uh, yeah, we'll be out of studio next week. Uh, it is Thanksgiving. We don't do a show on Thanksgiving, and so we're going to take a week off, enjoy the family, just to make everyone aware. I want to make sure prior to the holiday, everyone reaches out and picks up their uh, package of Fisherman's Brew. Coffee, if you haven't got it yet, go to Fisherman'sBrew.com, order your coffee. Remember, 5% of the proceeds go towards salmon conservation here in the Northwest. Those boys are doing some great work in that regard. Tommy, you and I both have been enjoying Fisherman's yes. Brew, and it is a uh, a fantastic blend of coffee. So go to mm. Fisherman'sBrew.com, check out what they have to offer, order a couple packages of coffee. If nothing else, give it away for gifts this holiday season and uh, help support salmon recovery here in uh, in the Northwest. What do you need to bring for the Mardon duck hunt? You need to bring warm clothes, a hunting license, remember your duck stamp, and of course a shotgun and probably some shells. And a bottle of whiskey. And <laughs> a bottle of whiskey. So $350. You know, if you got questions, call up Shelby Ross, Ross Outdoor Adventures. Uh, he will get you squared away on what it is exactly you need to bring. Again, you'll arrive there Tuesday late afternoon, early evening, check into your lodging, and then we'll all meet up for dinner and lay out the game plan for the next day. So couldn't be more simple than that. Uh gonna be a fantastic time and let's let's bring a bunch of people over there with us so we can all enjoy. Okay, uh Tommy with that we're gonna jump out for a quick break. Seems like we got the microphone issues resolved. Sorry for the little uh dismay there. Bob, before we do that, let's run down the show real quick. Tommy, we come back from the break. We're gonna actually recap your hunt mm-hmm. over at Kettle Falls. Mm-hmm. Very successful week. I'm curious the weather, the the difficulty with what the weather did. We're talking white-tailed deer turkey opportunity you cashed in on a lot yeah a couple birds we, we notched and, quite a few tags yeah not quite days, a few so. tags so can't wait to hear all about yeah. that we'll, we'll delve into that definitely um hey we're bringing back the recipe of the week sherry and i spent the last weekend up there in issaquah with chef jeff maxfield at finn's bistro we shot a number of recipes very excited to bring back some great recipes that jeff has tonight the venison Gyro, mm-hmm. Well, gyro. But it's, I think it's gyro. <laughs> well, I know it's yeah. gyro, but it's the venison gyro. So, uh, fantastic <laughs> recipe and so delicious. Oh, yeah. And it's great. He's going to show you how to take a certain type of cut of meat that you normally would probably throw in the grinder. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And we turn it into something amazing. So, make sure you stick around for that. Venison Euro—it's something to die for. Uh, later on the show, we're going to hear Buddy Dave Calhoun, Dave Calhoun, owner and manufacturer of Northwest Rods. He's got an amazing Black Friday special coming up. Mm-hmm. He's got over three hundred rods, hundred bucks a piece. You're not going to find this high quality of rods for a little money yeah, as what Dave's pumping out the These door. These are
3: finished rods, not blanks, but nope, finished rods. No, full-on finished rod, yep.
2: ready to go fishing. We'll get Dave on the phone. He'll tell you all about it, and you're going to make sure you don't miss that sale. And then, prior to closing out the show, you and I are going to have a great discussion on this steelhead management plan that they're crafting, drafting the, uh, the steelhead town halls that we've been following for the last several weeks. Number four installment is around the corner. Meeting yesterday at the commission. So much going on with that. We want to update everybody on the information and let it fall where it may and see, uh, see how mad or supportive <laughs> you mm-hmm. become in this whole deal. So, again, <laughs> lots of information to get through. Uh, we will get through it. Appreciate everybody joining in. Questions, please post them up. We're going to jump out for a quick commercial break. We come back. We'll be back here in studio with Mr. Tommy Donlin recapping his Kettle Falls hunt right here at on Northwest.
3: Sportco, an outdoor emporium, is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors awaits you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria, draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area, and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details like price and square footage right at your fingertips. Or check out your saved homes displayed on the map.
2: Hey, welcome back in studio to In England, Tommy Donald. And Tommy got a handful of questions firing off here this evening. Will the floods decimate the coho eggs already in the river? Well, mm. anytime we get this drastic of uh, volume of floods or flooding happening throughout the state, any of those early spawners, you know, those coho, some of those those chinook anything that's already been laid in the gravel is uh yeah it's questionable on survivability typically this much volume of water completely wipes everything out pushes it down those eggs don't do well and they get covered up by silt and rocks Mm -hmm. and you know everything else so yeah historically bad bad floods mid to late uh november can really shave off the potential for returns uh two to three years down the road Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. we'll we'll see fortunately we have um We have a lot of coho hopefully still coming back, and we still have the chum to hit the gravel. So we'll see how we get, but great question. And uh, somebody was asking if the trip is full. No, the trip is not full. We still have plenty of room. Feel free to call up Shelby Ross, 509-750-7763. Give Shelby Ross, Ross Outdoor Adventures, a phone call. Make sure you tell them you are with the Fish Out Northwest trip on December 22nd. You get the group rate and all those things that come along with that. So... Okay, with that, Mr. Uh, front and Center, so you yep. made a jaunt over to the east side. Kettle Falls area, I love that area. Not mm-hmm. only, you know, like you had mentioned, yeah, there's mildeer deer everywhere. Of course, you're hunting whitetail, but there's yeah, right, mildeer right. everywhere, right? There's also turkeys everywhere. So there is. you went over there with a plan to hunt both turkeys and whitetail? Yeah, I mean, it was more of a plan to hunt that
3: late whitetail buck opener. Yeah. And then... If I had an opportunity on turkeys, I would take it, right? And and so that, and and that paid off. And right? you
2: did. <laughs> and, and let me tell you what.
3: Yeah. In, in Stevens County, there are a lot of turkeys. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think Stevens County is, if it's not the number one county in the United States for mm-hmm. turkey population, it's damn
2: close. It's up let me there. Tell you what.
3: And, and I mean to see, you know, in this time of year when they all get grouped up, grouped up, yeah. I mean, you look right, and you see this black cloud. And, I I mean, we saw some flocks of turkeys that were, like, 100 strong, Uh 120 strong. I mean, just unbelievable.
2: Yeah. Yep. They're just out in the middle of the fields, just middle of the day, just hanging out, big groups, just kind of, you know, and uh, and I think I told you, um, you drive around that part of the country, and anywhere you see a dairy farm, and -hmm. there's feed availability, you know, grains and corn stuff, they're feeding the cows and whatnot. The turkeys love to hang out on the fringe of those things, and then they all Mm. just kind of, like, give the signal Little high five, and they are in there. They freaking decimate oh, yeah. the, the feeding areas. They just go in there, create yep. a huge uproar. Farmers hate it. The farmers hate them. And then they yep. uh, then they take off, and then right. they come back a couple hours later for another assault. This yep. goes on all day long. Right, right. And they poop everywhere. Yep. And
3: the, the, I mean, the farmer the farmers think they're rats, and I would say like. You know, if, especially if you're trying to get a kid into hunting, that's a great area. Sure. Because you know those farmers are a lot more likely to let you hunt a turkey than a deer, right? Oh yeah. It's it's not a uh, a rifle round that you're sending by their house. Correct. It's, it's you know shotgun. Shot. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, you know, not a bad way to go if you don't have your own property over there.
2: Not having yeah. hunted turkeys before, I thought your uh, I thought your ambush plan was top <laughs> top shelf. It's like yeah. wow, way to use Mother Nature to your advantage. Talk a little bit about well, you what know. And you so came we up were with. we were
3: hunting um, a little bit by Lake Roosevelt too, and so you
2: know. And, and I just
3: just to preface this whole thing, I'm not a turkey hunter, right? Right. I'm just kind of using what little intuition I have about turkeys to to try to put a game plan together. And so, uh, you know, I spot this, this giant flock of turkeys, right? And I'm like, well, they're going to they're gonna see me. I don't have any chance to sneak up on them, just the way the terrain was laid out. Um, but right on the other side of where they were is the lake, huh. right? Lake Roosevelt. And so I'm like... You
2: ever seen a turkey well, swim?
3: They're not going to swim, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I go down there, and of course, uh, I, bump them, I bump them over this little berm, and they, they go towards the lake. And I, I go, oh, I know where they're going to come right up. Yeah. You know, they're going to be right here when they come right back over. They're not going to hang out on the beach all day. Sure. Right. And sure enough, you know, a couple minutes went by and here they come, one after the other, right? And I just pick one out, pop one, rock another round, pop another one. There's my turkeys. I'm done, right?
2: Total success. Total so, success. So, so easy. Just hit the
3: easy button. That's right. how it was. Yeah, yeah, that was good, man. Yep. You
2: used a definite boundary that you knew they couldn't go past. Right, right. And they had to turn around and come back up the hill. They had to. They didn't just have had a choice. to. choice. You just had to have more patience than them, right? Right, right.
3: And that was pretty easy. They did not want to be down there. Yeah. Let me tell you what. They went over the hill, mm-hmm. and it wasn't two minutes. I mean, it was the easiest hunt that I've ever had in my life. They came right back up, all of them.
2: And Uh, uh, to your credit, you plucked both those birds. I plucked both of them, yeah. Yeah,
3: Yeah, because I want to try to do kind of the the deep, deep, uh, deep fat fry turkey method. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because these birds, they don't have a lot of fat, right? They do not. And so, they will cook fast. Kind of the methodology I'm thinking Mm -hmm. is you got to keep the moisture in there and everything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to have them. Never. Oh, I bet they're
2: going to be delicious. Yeah. We've we've had wild bird. I've plucked them before and cooked them, you know, oven-roasted yeah. and just amazing. They definitely do not have as much fat. And the meat's a little mm. darker than your, you know, mm-hmm. farm-fresh-raised mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, fattened up bird right. but uh like any wild game or uh you know fish or fowl they're they're lean right so they yeah. but they are delicious so mm-hmm. uh nicely done way to get that done so yeah, that wasn't even the primary mission no i that mean was that was just, was just like uh, an added
3: bonus you know my father-in-law he's like hey you know bring your shotgun there's a lot of turkeys over here oh okay you know and it's like okay yeah i'll bring my shotgun take a and couple tags up and yeah. as soon as i saw him i'm like oh yeah Draw, you know put down the six five pick up the shotgun go down there and get it done. Um, Well, perfect. So that was phenomenal. But, you know, so the reason that we were over there was the the late whitetail buck opener um, runs for, you know, just over a week long. Mm -hmm. And um, this is like one of my favorite hunts because if you hit it right, if you get the right amount of weather, um, this can turn into a rut hunt, right? Well, last year you had snow. Oh, yeah. We had snow on the 15th of November. Yeah. And those bucks just snapped into the rut. I mean, and it was so blatantly obvious. You know, you're not really seeing a lot of bucks, seeing the does, and then all of a sudden, boom! There's a buck. There's a buck. There's mm-hmm. a buck. Right, left, and right. And uh, I picked one out. And that, it, that last year it was it was a no brainer. Um, this year, it it the weather was not on our side. It was horrible. Um, we get over there, and I thought that I was in Western Washington. It was raining cats and dogs. <laughs> there was fog everywhere. You left
2: here, and it was raining. You get there, yeah, it's still
3: raining. Correct. Correct. And um, just talk about fog. I mean, there was just fog everywhere. Huh. I felt like I was, you know, hunting Western Washington yeah, elk and yeah. you couldn't you couldn't even see a hundred yards. Um, and we like to, you know, we like to glass them up just like a lot of our other hunts that we mm-hmm. do. And you couldn't see, you know, like to say you couldn't see past your barrel, but just a little bit past that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, which doesn't leave you a whole lot of opportunity. Um and and you know, hunting hunting whitetail in the timber this time of year when they've been pressured and kicked around, mm-hmm. it's a low odds game. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I would much rather timber hunt elk yeah. than, than whitetail with, with modern rifle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't really entertain that idea too much. Um, tried to get into some lower areas where there wasn't as much fog, but there just wasn't a lot of deer activity in those areas. So the first two days um, were just kind of frustrating. You know, not a lot happening, not a lot of activity. Um, really not trying to hunt the areas we wanted to hunt, just trying to hunt areas where we could see. And it didn't really, it didn't pan out. And then we went from kind of that rain fog weather, and third day it was like blowing 40. Oh. You know, and and all of a sudden the temperature went through the roof, went up like 25 degrees, and it was o- it was over 60 degrees over there. No. And kidding. the wind was just, howling, just howling. howling. You know, and the deer don't like that either, right? When you get all that movement in the trees, yeah, they're just like, you know little schizophrenics just running were you
2: looking at the weather at that point going what do we got i mean can we salvage this thing in the next couple days are we gonna have Mm -hmm. to turn the weather here i mean or is this it this is what we're up against right that's what i was wondering
3: i I was checking the weather constantly and then i saw you know okay well on that fourth day the weather the 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 wind's gonna die down and it's gonna drop the temperature is gonna absolutely drop Mm. right and it did it got into the 20s and i'm thinking okay here we go and then the night before, right as it was starting to drop, I look up, and there's the moon, right? <laughs> oh. know, if it's not one thing, it's another. Full moon? So here's this full moon, and oh, I'm like, those man. stupid deer, you yep. know, the wind died down. They're going to be feeding all day, uh, or all night, all night, all yeah. night I mean. Yep. And um, and sure enough, they fed all night, Sure. right? So you get you know get up the next morning, it's nice and cold. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clear, though and we didn't we didn't see hardly anything that next morning right and this is this is our last day this is day number four um and you know before that i had seen i'd seen a spike that i passed on and i had seen um you know uh i don't know if it was a two or a three point but it was giving me that white tail wave you know the big the big white tail going back and forth saying -uh, Uh not today not today brother not today right see you later yep um and so you know i'm thinking okay well they're going to come out at some point today. They're going to come out at some point because this is the, really the first good weathered solid weather day that we had, nice and cold, and they need to feed. Um, and sure enough, it just started coming together. So um, I was hunting with uh, my wife and junior, and so we're doing we're doing pretty easy hunts. You sure, know, this is not like yeah. your your grueling elk hunt where I'm putting 50 miles right on on the boots. This is pretty pretty easy. We're looking into some timbered areas that have. You know maybe some small grassy areas amongst the timber right and trying to catch movement in the timber um and and hopefully spot a buck and um sure enough it's it's timber that i'd been glassing you know the past couple days when the fog allowed nothing 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 and i looked down i'm at the top of this ridge i look down and there's mr whitetail buck huh. you know and and uh and i'm like this is it yeah this is it right yeah, yeah. and um just, I didn't even range him because I'm like, okay, you know, usually I'm, I'm ranging. So this was about 100, 130 yards. I think it, it ended up doping out, 139. And I put the crosshairs on him, didn't even think, pulled the trigger, boom. He was facing me. He wasn't, didn't even give me a broadside shot, pulled the trigger. Um, I knew I got him immediately because they did that, you know, they do that big jump, big kick, mm-hmm. and then
2: they run downhill. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what he did. That double mule kick, yeah. right? Yeah, whether that's you hit a telltale with, sign. Yeah, it's a telltale sign, whether it's with an um, arrow or a, well, it doesn't matter. Yep. You punch them through the lungs, telltale sign is that double mule exactly. kick. Exactly. Yep, every
3: time. Um, you know, and so saw that, I'm like, okay. You know, but then it's, it, no matter what, no matter what they do in my mind, you know, it always goes through my head, like, Did I did I miss? Did (laughs) I I miss? (laughs) Right. You know? Um, I'm always questioning myself. Well, especially Um, when
2: you see him run off. Right. Yeah. You see him run off. And I mean, how did he take that? Well, it's like your cow elk. Right. You hit her the first time. Right. Yep. And you're like, God, did I miss? Did she
3: did she feel it? She she didn't even move. Yeah. And so you know all these emotions go through your head and then the and then the adrenaline just kicks in, you know? Mm -hmm. And I start hacking because I'm just like all jacked up (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter. You know, and my, this is not a super big buck. It was a, you know, it was a two by three. Yeah. Um, But it was our last day. And I went, you know, it was a great meat buck. Absolutely. Um, Great meat buck. And I was hunting with a couple of guys, you know, and the plan was we're going to split this deer. Right. And so I'm thinking, you know, this is, this is our only chance. Yep. Um, I'm going to take this buck. And then um, that was about 1245 on that fourth day. And then within the next three hours, The other two guys that are with me, both shoot bucks. They both shoot bucks. They both shoot bucks. And one of those hunters was, uh, this was his first hunt. Oh. Never hunted before. Um, Shot two turkeys the day before. Yeah. And then closed the deal on his first ever buck. Was he by himself when he shot it? He was. Do you know what to do? Uh, Kind of, yes. (laughs) I mean, we talked to him a lot about, um, you know, target recognition. Uh Uh-huh. No, number one knowing the difference between a whitetail and a muley yeah that's and so kind of we important. you know so we hunted you know with him the first three days okay and kind of set him up in an area where you know we knew um he had a, an opportunity and so he was well versed in identifying you know muley versus whitetail we didn't want to have a situation where he shot a muley buck thinking it was a whitetail sure uh and he didn't and um and then it's like always verify the headgear you got to make sure that there's headgear on that <laughs> right. on that sucker. That it matches
2: um, what is required for headgear,
3: yeah. right? And he closed the deal. So we got, you know, <laughs> one more, one new hunter added to the, uh, added to the community, which yeah. is pretty awesome.
2: Well, you know, uh, it just goes to show you. The, the weather you guys were up against for the first three and a half, four days, you know, three and a half days, mm-hmm. you're able to get the turkey to, you know, go. Mm-hmm. But the fog, the rain, the wind, and as soon as you get that weather change, and that cold snap drops in and eventually that weather stays cold for a few days they may they may have opportunity to feed at night they're gonna have to come out mm-hmm. and feed during the day yeah because uh cold temperatures means caloric burn caloric burn to yep. keep body temperature up To keep body temperature up what do they need they need more calories so they're gonna have to mm-hmm. go to the grocery store at some point fortunately for you guys that day everybody was shopping right yep. it's like that time of day is uh, yep. conducive to them getting up and going. It is um, anywhere between 10 a.m. and two in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. You can get a lot of deer movement at that point of day, right? And, um, and we didn't, enough, you know,
3: we didn't see. It was enough weather to get them moving, but we did not see any hardcore like rut activity from the whitetail
2: side of that. Yeah, house. And you didn't see any big bucks. All of a sudden, start showing up, right? right? And we that didn't means-
3: even see, you know, the bucks that we were seeing. We didn't see them, you know, pushing does, chasing mm-hmm. does, things like that. On the Muley side of the house, a different story. Yeah, it they, they like had they were, their, you they know, they had a party going on. Uh, they had a whole, yeah, I won't say it, but yeah, they had a party. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, um, it was full rut for the Muley side of the house. Yeah. yeah um whitetail not so much right. so it's kind of interesting but yeah i'm sure you know if you were there today yesterday i'm sure it's it's getting to be full on
2: the the weather especially well weather always affects it but as you get into this november hunt and you know um as we get towards uh next week thanksgiving mm-hmm. late archery mule deer opportunity on the east side yeah in certain counties uh i've been over there uh with uh jared gibbons years past in okanagan area 60 degrees yeah raining how much? How many deer do you think came to, came to the blind that day? Yeah. I can tell you, one day there were seven, mm-hmm. six of them were does, and it was a, and the other one was a spike. It's mm-hmm. like this ain't happening, right? You're mm-hmm. over here, prime time of the year, three days before Thanksgiving. Yep. Uh, historically, can be very, very uh, great opportunity, but uh, that one year in particular, we've had a couple seasons over there, years past that. It was pretty warm, and um, then you get a day or two of cold weather, and you just look forward to that—that that temperature drop. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you got all kinds of activity, right? They yep. got to come and feed, and that whole thing. So, um, yeah, looks like I got a few hats on the desk, I do. Uh, but we are giving away a fisherman's brew this evening, Tommy. Getting folks ready for the holiday. So, awesome. Uh, we come back from the break. We're gonna get our buddy Dave Calhoun mm-hmm. on the phone, Tommy. We're gonna talk some fishing rods in an amazing blowout. Black Friday special coming up. You don't want to miss. Stick around. We'll be back after the break right here, Fish on Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, ARIMA Boats are manufactured with pride right here in Bremerton, Washington. ARIMA Boats offers all of our boats with Honda Outboard packages so that you can take full advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda Outboard. With literally thousands of Arima boats on the water throughout the Pacific Northwest, Arima boats are a proven hull design that offers incredible fuel economy and all of the amenities that a serious angler is looking for. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why we back our boats with a lifetime warranty. All of our Arima boats are designed to maximize deck space while also providing ample seating. Contact us today at ARIMA Boats for all your boating needs and let us help you get out on the water.
0: Today
3: the need for quality private security services is at an all-time high. Contract Security Service provides day-to-day peace of mind as they protect people, and property. Here at Phoenix, we provide service for multiple state and federal contracts with services ranging from uniform, patrol, alarm monitoring, canine detection, executive protection, as well as investigative work. Phoenix client management models are built on understanding our client's security needs, and responding with a tailored program that is best fit for them. Phoenix provides excellent customer service through well-trained, highly motivated security professionals. Recruiting highly qualified officers is the first step in building a strong team. Currently, we are comprised of 70% prior law enforcement and military veterans. If you are prior military or law enforcement, go to www.phoenixprotectivecore.com and apply today.
2: Hey, welcome back to Fish on Northwest. Dwayne England, Tommy Donlin in studio. We have our good buddy Dave Calhoun on the phone who's going to wait patiently for a minute because uh, after we came back from the recipe of the week, we want to give away a package or a bag of Fisherman's Brew, Tommy. Yes, indeed. You got a number in your head? I have the number that you gave me. There you go. We got a number. So go ahead. Start uh, throwing it out here on the O Messenger. We got a number between 1 and 50. Yeah. 1 and 50. First one to type that in is going to win a bag of Fisherman's Brew. It's going to be your choice of the medium blend, the king salmon blend, or the steelhead blend, which is your French roast. Uh, both fantastic in taste and quality. So, all right, numbers are starting to pile in. I'm watching the O you know, ticker here. Mm-hmm. and have yet to see it nope. moving along this usually takes about 30 seconds or so so for those not participating just hang in there we'll get yeah. to this as soon as we can boy nothing cue yet cue the Jeopardy
3: music please mm, cue yeah. the
2: Jeopardy music well so, we're going the right direction yeah yeah that's well, about all I can well, say we're getting close no. there uh, Sid Russell we're getting close there you go, John Sullivan. John Sullivan, number 12, way All to go. Right. Okay, John Sullivan, go ahead and message us up uh, with your phone number and your address, and we will get that shipped out to you. Hopefully we get it in the mail here this next week before the holidays, we'll see. So the number 12, John Sullivan. Thanks for playing, everybody. Moving right along, Dave Calhoun, owner of Northwest Rods, on the phone patiently waiting. Sounds like you got one heck of a Black Friday sale coming up here, mister.
1: I do. So, you know, I'm getting tired of people using Black Friday all year and Black Friday for this. And always oh, extended Black Friday through January. And it, it's a bunch of crap. Black Friday <laughs> is one day yeah. and it should hurt. Right. It should <laughs> hurt. When you sell a rod for $100, yeah. it should hurt. And that's Good what I'm doing. You. I'm going to give till it hurts.
3: What about Cyber Monday? Are you doing that too? Cyber Monday? Uh, no, <laughs>
1: nope, uh, I, nope. I'm I'm closed down. I'm doing one day. Yeah, and right. I'm not know why. They, got, they got no internet connection <laughs> in Kalama. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we still use we still use Dixie cups and string down and here. Pigeon, you know? Pigeons, pigeons. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're we're hoping to get indoor bathrooms next year. So oh, there we're you go. Super excited about that. Yeah, there's always <laughs> wishful baby thinking. steps, baby steps. Baby steps.
2: So yeah. let's talk about this rod sale. Black Friday, Friday after Thanksgiving. What'd you say, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m.?
1: 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., yeah. You know, I want to bring back the old sales, the kind of stuff that people are willing to trample each other over and, and you know, sleep in line in tents to get, you know, flat screens for $100 and that kind of stuff. Right. I, seriously, I'm so sick of them. People just, oh, it's a 10% discount on a special day or something. No, these are going to be awesome deals. So I've got, at this point, I'm almost 400 rods. Wow. That will be $100 wow. or less depending on the rod. So I've got my cork handle coconut stuff. That's going to be hundred dollars. I've got uh, t- some 10, six salmon rods that are going to be a hundred. I've got uh, plug rods for steelhead walleye. I mean, I've got everything that was built pre, you know, one year ago is got to go. They're old handles. They're discontinued blanks that we don't do anymore. There's just no reason to keep them laying around. And so I'm going to sell them and, and have one big blowout day.
2: I got a guy asking, do you have a seven and a half foot, eight to 15 carbon fiber handle for walleye? Uh,
1: I do have it. The carbon fiber handles will probably be in the 150 rack and not in the $100 rack. Okay. But I have, I mean, I've got so many cork handle standard rods and there's nothing wrong with cork. In fact, a lot of the guys prefer the cork, especially for rods that are uh, winter steelhead type rods so your Mm -hmm. hands aren't getting so cold Mm -hmm. you know if you're not using bait or anything that's going to get into the cork I mean it's still one of the lightest materials out there and I have a ton of cork well you have
2: you have have high quality cork though too let's not kid anybody it's not like you're putting just garbage cork on these things this is oh yeah this is all the old school Portuguese
1: cork that I got when we acquired the other company for the last few years and so yeah I haven't bought a piece of cork in probably five years yeah Uh, this Stuff made now is so full of filler that they have to wrap it in plastic, and they hope you don't get it wet because then it looks like Swiss <laughs> cheese and the rings start falling off the handle. These are just notice. don't get them
2: wet, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. And then good luck trying to get any of these companies to warranty anything. That's another story. But uh, this Black Friday sale is going to be a really big deal. I've been building rods nonstop, trying to get stuff finished and, and coated and ready to go. Um, It's one day only, no shipping, be there. If you have to, send a friend. He can take live video and pictures and and find a rod for you, but you don't want to miss a sale. They'll never be this cheap, and I hope they all go away.
2: Yeah, well, there you go. It's a one-day event uh, down there at your uh, location. Folks can look you up on your Facebook page or northwestrods.com. Find your address and whatnot so they can be there. Starts at 9 a.m., doors close at 4 uh, as you said, no shipping. I know folks are going to be asking here: uh, Do you ship? But it's a one-day deal. Make the drive. You know, if, Tommy, if you're buying a rod for a hundred bucks, you can mm-hmm. drive a couple hours to go get a hundred-dollar rod. Right. Especially if you get a couple of.
1: them well, for, for that, bucks.
3: for that, I think That's there,
2: a- you said there's RV hookups there next to the building. Okay, right?
3: <laughs>
1: Absolutely, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I want to start tent. Out. Hey, it already looks like a tent village down in Portland. I'm sure we could probably get oh, stuff down here right. and set them up for the people and stuff, and we'll just tell everybody we're in line for a concert or something, yeah. but Careful uh, what you yeah, I, for. I, I, all right. Well, yeah, no, I think a lot of people, what they do for the North guys, they usually will call their buddies and carpool and get three or four guys together and, and all come, come at one time, which is really a good way to go about it. But yeah, That's this is going to be a big deal. And then we won't have another sale until probably February and possibly sportsman shows. And that'll kind of be a, to be determined uh, then. But, but uh, right now this is, this is it. And I've got a ton of really good stuff.
2: Gotcha. Hey, got one individual asking if you're going to be at the Sportsman Show here in Puyallup or if you're just going to focus on the Oregon Show. Uh, no, the
1: Puyallup Show, for, for many reasons, just doesn't work for my, my rods. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be there, but I won't be set up. And, you know, it all comes down to masks. If they make us wear masks at the Sportsman Shows, I can't do it. Sure. So that that's really the biggest thing and since everything's still kind of up in the air and we don't know it takes so long to put these things together and to to plan stuff like that so it's really going to be a game time decision sure. for for like the Portland show and it's sad i mean we have we both have many friends and people in this industry that are struggling just because that sportsman show was the biggest thing ever yeah. and i hope that that's not just a thing of the past so we'll see but i'll definitely be at portland if it if it goes on and we don't have to wear masks (laughs) hey are those
2: uh those kokanee rods you came out with last year those going for 100 bucks those got cork handles
1: yes the cork handle ones are 100 bucks i have a bunch of the carbon fiber handle ones that are on the 150 rack and i have a bunch of new things that I'll be launching. People will be able to see them and they'll everything's going to be on sale. Even my most popular scorpion rod, which I can barely keep in stock. It's going to be on sale too. Not a hundred dollars, right. but like you know, but just the fact that I have them again because I've been out for most of the year, and then I make fifty or hundred, and then they're gone again, and it's it's a heck of a time trying to keep up. So yeah. uh, those all be on sale as well. So it's not just the the you know scratch and dents and the old discontinued stuff. I've got everything you know winter steelhead plug rods. That's just around the corner. Yep. All my steelhead float rods with the carbon fiber grips. Right. Those are all going to be on sale too.
3: Perfect. And Bob wants to know what about steelhead rods?
2: Yes, I have. I probably
1: have more steelhead rods than anything else.
2: Gotcha. There we go. Well, fantastic. All right, Mister uh, Not. So, sure, we're going to be able to make it down there. We are uh, out of town for a day or two on the old Thanksgiving holiday. So, But if I need something, I know where you live, so I'll just come down and get it. But uh, You got it, bro. All right, buddy. Well, appreciate you jumping on here tonight. Hopefully a lot of people take advantage of it. That's one heck of a sale, and people got to uh, make sure they make the drive because it would be well worth their time.
1: Sounds good. Thanks for your time. Y'all be safe out there, and uh, have a happy Thanksgiving. Yep,
2: you too, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right, see you. Bye, guys. Bye. There you go. Well, that's a good deal. All different types of rods, Tommy. I mean, he's got a ton of stuff. And he did say steelhead rods. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, steelhead is kind of on the minds of many, my friend, as of late. Uh, not sure if you're aware. Uh, we've we've gone down this road. You haven't really put a lot of time in steelhead fishing. No. I which,
3: think I went side drifting once. <laughs> well. And then I'm like, oh, this is horrible. You're not missing Why anything? would I do this yeah. again? <laughs> well,
2: you know, for those of us in the Northwest who grew up steelhead fishing, it is a, <clears throat> uh, well, it can, it can be considered a rite of passage almost. It's just something that gets in your blood, you just want to continue to do year in and year out. Mm-hmm. With all the struggles, with the cold weather, with the, you know, back in the day, the crappy gear, the whole deal. I don't know what it is, but you know, Northwest is steelhead fishing is synonymous yeah. with just filling to truly be part of the outdoors in the Northwest. We've been following this steelhead thing for a number of weeks, and we've been reminding folks about the, the WDFW town halls, mm-hmm. online town halls have been provided. They've had three of them now. Number four installment is November 29th, 5 p.m., the Coastal Steelhead Virtual Town Hall, wrapping up the department's four-part series of meetings and the to together public feedback ahead of the 2021-22 20, Coastal Steelhead season season. Uh, the meeting is slated to include discussions of co-managers' agreed-to fishing plans for the season, and we all know the agreed-to fishing plans is what they agree to with the co-managers or the tribes, Correct. right? Yep. So we're we're not there yet. We're not there yet. And yesterday, uh, that being said, yesterday there was a Fish and Wildlife Commission fish committee meeting this is a, an adjunct of the fisheries commission fish and wildlife commission they have a subcommittee for just this in fact the the seal head crafting or drafting of the season uh, as it was uh, very well recapped by our friend andy walgamont over there at northwest uh, sportsman's magazine the washington fish and wildlife commission members bid to provide a recommendation Day, yesterday, to the director and to the rest of the commission, uh, this, most of this information was garnered from the citizens who have been weighing in at these meetings, right? Mm-hmm. These previous three virtual town halls. And um, they've been talking about the season's coastal winter steelhead regulations. Um, and they're, they're presenting this information to Director Siswin, um, trying to figure out where he's going to go with this thing. Right. Basically. Well, and
3: a lot of this discussion is based off the fact that, you know, five of the seven river systems did not meet their escapement goals. Last year. Mm -hmm. Last year. And they're not projected to meet escapement this year. Correct. And then on top of that, and I found this part interesting, WDFW is still um, projecting poor ocean conditions Mm -hmm. going forward, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting because if you look at, you know, this last year, they were excellent. The year before, excellent, you know. And then we had some trouble in the past. Sure. But, um, that's the thing that I kind of find troubling. But then you and I talked about it. You know, that has a lot to do with the travel route of, of steelhead versus salmon, right? Sure, It's yeah. different. So they also think that, you know, ocean conditions are playing into where we are with this
2: yeah it's hard to wrap our head around it because neither you or i are environmental you know biologist or a wildlife biologist or a fisheries manager any of that but we we can take at face value what we observe what we observe is an unbelievable coho return Mm -hmm. this year chinook the last two years has been pretty amazing right tuna uh you know if you remove weather (laughs) you know and what was going on there but we're 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 trying to tie this to what we know about our additional anadromous fisheries within the west coast and on on the front edge of this i mean salmon you kind of go what are you talking ocean conditions you know Mm -hmm. but one thing we do know is that when they get to the ocean salmon go one way steelhead go another Mm -hmm. what's happening to the steelhead in the ocean i don't know but it pulls me all the way back to go, is it really ocean conditions? We've yeah. proven for years in studies that we are losing a high percentage, in some regards, upwards of 75% of our steelhead smolt. We're losing from estuary water entrance to the Straits of de Fuca. So if we're only out-migrating 20 to 25% of our steelhead smolt from that point on, what, what do we expect our return to truly be? If right. we've recognized the Hood Canal Bridge as a major obstruction, because we know for certain steelheads smolt our surface and nearshore swimmers, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And we've proven this through studies and millions upon millions of dollars of research and stuff. Where's the ask? And what I mean by that is when do we go to Congress and say, or, you know, to Olympia and say, hey, uh, we need money for this project. We need to somehow remove parts of the floating bridge, re-engineer. Mm-hmm make passageways through the floating bridge to allow these steelhead to get through. And here's where those channels need to be, or whatever that looks like. Big round pipes through the center of the floats. I don't know. I I mean, you'd be closer in mind to that than I, because I'm no Mm -hmm. engineer, let's face it. But Mm -hmm. there's got to be a means to provide passage, right? And it's like, when is that ask coming to Congress? And if it has already, somebody correct me, but I would have missed it. So I'm asking, when's that going to happen? We can talk ocean Mm -hmm. conditions, but how about fixing things closer to home that I would think we almost have some small percentage of control over. Right. Okay, so that's one part of it. But So, commission members uh, presented a recommendation to the Fish Committee, and here's where they were going uh, with this whole deal. They want to close the south and central coast Willapa Bay, Grays Harbor, Queeds Clearwater, Upper Quinault Systems to fishing, except near hatcheries when clipped steelhead are abundant. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: Yeah, they are They are also recommending a what they're calling a conservative fishery, right, for the hoe and the quill ute, yeah. where, you know, they're talking about, okay, you know, you can fish from a boat, but there's going to be some restrictions, right? Either in, you know, number of days that you can fish, um, number of hours that you can fish, or just having really restricted areas that you're allowed to fish. Yeah. You know, kind of like um, up until the last couple of years, it's kind of like how our halibut season's been. You know, you get, you get three days, and then the quota gets eaten in three or four days, and then you're done. Um, so they are talking about that.
2: So they're trying to find a compromise. Last year, they came with this big swath, boom, kick you in the, you know, and remove you from floating from uh, fishing from a floating device, mm-hmm. barbless single hook, no bait, no scent. All those rules were implemented, boom. Middle of December, you know, carte blanche change, here we go, Right. They're trying to find balance in this thing. They're trying to appease. So many persons have an input. I get it. They're, you and I have given them credit for jumping on this sooner than later. Those discussions started in September. Presentations, and opportunity for public weigh-in weigh mm-hmm. is uh, was in October. This wasn't a last witching hour. Hey, here it comes. Get ready for it. This is being proactive to a point, mm-hmm. at least in the realm of involving public, Right. So now when you're talking about what you just mentioned, we're trying to find some type of buy-off here. It's like, well, if we want to fish for boats, okay, but you can only be on the uh, river for three hours. right? Or you have to be off the river by noon. right? Or you only get to fish one or two days a week, right? Again, it's all in the effort to limit encounters, Mm -hmm. recreational angler opportunity encounters with fish. So that is kind of the balance they're looking for. The fish committee members wanted to vote, on these recommendations, okay? They actually wanted to take a vote on it and uh, come up with a, a you know a final say. Uh, director, well, he acknowledged the role of the commission, and this was in part of the article here. Uh, the role of the commission as overseers, he said that he didn't want the recommendation vote to the full panel, and he didn't think it was needed.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, he's, he's kind of defining a line there. It's like, when does it cross over from guidance and or into policy? And mm-hmm. I get that. There's, there's some things you, like, take information in. It's like, here's our guidance that we'd like to recommend. Here's policy. The commission is in charge of creating and giving policy, which gives mm-hmm. direction to the director who then bestows that down into the fish and game, right? Mm-hmm. So he kind of was feeling this is kind of pigeonholing him into one way or the other.
3: Yeah. Well, and, you know, a key point that we have to remember, too, is that Um, This is a joint management effort, right? There there are co-managers in this effort. Correct, yep. Before the season gets set, you know, his staffers have to come up with a management plan with those coastal tribes that everybody can agree to. Sure. And they're also very concerned
2: about where we are with the health of our steelhead runs. Mm-hmm. And that's why no decisions will be finalized or put out there until you have those agreed-to fisheries. It's no different than the North of Falcon process. Mm-hmm. We get a list of agreed-to fisheries. They're called the LOAF. Yep. List of agreed-to fisheries, right? Uh, this was an interesting little snippet out of the article from from uh, Northwest Sportsman's Magazine. In an apparent exasperation, this one also stated that the commission processes We're getting out of control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I found that to be interesting. (laughs) I do too. So where does this land? Well, okay, so the meeting, as I mentioned, is 5 p.m. on November 29th. It is the fourth installment of the the final installment of the invite for public to have say. I find it interesting because I think at this point, if they all have met with the co-managers as we're right on the right on the threshold of, of the director given his final presentation, like within that first week of December. Mm-hmm. So I don't see a lot of weigh in coming from the public to that's going to force any change. Right. Yeah. I think the decision is going to be made. The meetings yeah. will have happened with the co-managers. The list of agreed to fisheries will have been stamped. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more of just uh, fluff and smoke and mirrors at that point. I don't know what they're going to gain from that. I think the takeaway there would be for folks to to tune in and listen to how this is unfolding. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a very difficult conversation to have. Um, <clears throat> there have been a lot of folks. I listened to a lot of people talk about this. I message back and forth with people about this. I've been very passionate about staying on top of this because I, too, am a passionate steelhead fisherman and want to have that opportunity in the winter mm-hmm. uh, and understand how grave danger we are truly in. Look, if they think that simply by removing the recreational community once again from opportunity is going to save the steelhead, completely wrong. If people think that their vision is just that, you're completely wrong. Mm -hmm. WDFW is smart enough to recognize simply by removing us out of the equation is not going to bring back the steelhead. There has to be a much bigger plan here. There needs to be agreements moving forward between the ad hoc committees that have been formed and all those very smart individuals who are out there in the field and on the water weekly, daily, what have you, working with WDFW and the co-managers to come up with a recovery management plan. Yeah. These band-aid approaches, Tommy, and this reactionary management philosophy that we have fallen under for so many years, let's face it, it ain't working. Right. And they
3: have to go back to a place where they're taking full accountability, right? You yeah. can't just point to the ocean conditions and say, oh, you know, oh the ocean. The ocean, mother ocean is screwing us, right? And there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do about it, right? Yeah. Forget that whole, you know, that kind of rhetoric. Yeah. It's not helpful. I agree. We got to focus on the things that we can control. And that comes down to being able to create that in-river management plan. Yeah, I
2: agree. And so, uh, uh, as I was kind of mentioning, a lot of people are probably pissed off at James Losey. Uh, I look at James Losey, a, a friend, and I've known him for a long time, and I've been mad at James Losey before too. I mean, he's he's taken stuff away on Christmas that I don't like, right? And uh, <laughs> but he's a very smart man. I think he's very fair in his demeanor and his presentation. Uh, if you watch the amount of information that he puts together for these presentations for public education, it's second to none. I mean, just hands down, some of the best that's been out there in the realm of this problem that we have with Steelhead. Um, But, uh, you know, the problem is we needed James Losey like 15 years ago. I I think a lot of people, they may not want to admit that, but we truly needed James, somebody like James to intervene 15 years ago. Because what we've been doing is managing these fisheries based on preseason forecasts. And they never became an issue for the recreational guy because we got our season. Yeah. We didn't know these discussions were happening back then. Is like, well, we're going to not meet escapement by 1,500 fish. Well, that's okay. Make sure they get their two-fish limit. It, I mean, if you ran your checkbook like that, you'd be out of, a, out of be your out of house by, yeah. in, in six yep. months, right? You can't do that. You can't write these checks that your, your body or your bank can't cash. So mm-hmm. we have been fishing on fisheries that were projected to fall low or come in lower than needed escapement. And it wasn't until James ran that flag up the pole a few years ago that people started taking notice. So credit to him for doing it. Unfortunately, too little too late. Not Mm -hmm. on him, but because the department, WDFW, you know, where, where have you been at? fifteen years ago. Yeah, we talked about declining fish runs and I said in a lot of meetings where people were pissed off and bitching about the fact that the tribes are taking too many fish and we're not seeing their fish returns that we should and and uh, you know we were still able to just catch and release wild fish like crazy and it wasn't until a handful of years ago we stopped retaining wild fish. Right. Yeah. So we have been behind the eight ball in this thing for a long time. So now we're trying to mop up the pieces, and it's very difficult. There's no easy answers here, but I can tell you just simply by expecting the recreational folks to take a back seat is not the answer. It's a Band-Aid approach. Right. Again, I'm hoping there's more in the works as we move towards the future collectively to come up with management recovery plans to include all user groups. By God, if they close this entire Grace Harbor region for a winter fishery and there's a single net in the water, I'm going to be the first to be going. This is BS. Right. You cannot talk effective recovery on a time frame that is in such dire straits and think we're selectively harvesting with gill nets. You can't do it. You can't talk conservation gill nets in the same sentence. I've said it for years, Tommy, and I'll continue to say it. So, by God, if we have closures in some of these regions and there are nets going into the river, we have a problem, folks, Okay. We will continue to have a problem, and the co-managers aren't playing fair. Now, that being said, moving out to the coast, some of our tribal co-managers have been very receptive. They've moved the needle, so to speak, on agreements in their fisheries. Um, how much are they are going to cut back on percentage of take? The co-managers are concerned about making sure we get enough wild fish on the gravel. They've, years past, would look at us allowing our fish to go by Foregone opportunity, they see dollar signs. Now, it's not really considered foregone opportunity. Conversations are more about, we're letting those fish go so they can hit the gravel, and they say, well, we're going to help you do that. I like that. That's good stuff. But if we are taking a back seat and commercial harvest is going on, we're going to have an issue. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, enough on that. We will continue to follow this. Uh, I think it's important for folks to be educated on this regard. If you're passionate about steelhead fishing in the future where it's going, you need to pay attention and, and hang in there. So um, this is uh, this is trying times, folks, and there's no easy answer. Um, but pay attention, stay informed, and if nothing else, Tommy, we're going to help folks get through the season, find other things to do. That's right. There's plenty of opportunity out there. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, we knew we'd run a little long because we had way too much information to get through tonight. No big deal. A little bumpy start there. That was kind of humorous. Um so, anyway, hope everybody has a fantastic holiday. Enjoy the Thanksgiving. No, the, uh, the bird is not for sale. Many people have asked if they could go ahead and purchase the Harper's artwork. Not happening. Grandma, Grammy Shang would uh, get a little upset at that one. So, enjoy your holiday. Be safe. We will be out of here next week, obviously, enjoying the same. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you, Larry, and everybody else popping in here. Uh, Enjoy your week. We will be back December 2nd, Tommy, December Mm -hmm. 2nd, and I'm pretty sure we'll be very close to a decision on our steelhead fisheries, so look forward to that. Have a great holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you December 2nd. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish on Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show, on our facebook page and of course our youtube channel every thursday evening at 6 p.m west coast time you'll get our insightful in-studio interviews our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods and of course our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host sherry england and chef jeff maxfield give us a follow on our facebook page at Fish Hunt northwest also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.